I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, November 28th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, Merriam-Webster, the world's most dignified dictionary and the most cliched way to open a speech, they chose authentic as the word of the year for 2023, setting it as a year when humans faced a total crisis of authenticity in a world full of misinformation. That's pretty bleak, Jay. I think they should choose something a bit brighter. Have they considered Calabunga or Hullabaloo? Last year's word was gaslighting, which isn't much better. But thoughts on authentic, Jay? Is that the word of the year for you? No, but I see where they're going. They also have a pretty sharp sense of humor at Merriam-Webster. I don't know if you follow them on Twitter or X, but they're... uh they're pretty hip to what's going on in the world, so I do trust them. And and heck, we're talking about it, so they 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 have a way of driving conversation about words. How much is the dictionary company paying you, Jay? That's what I gotta ask. You know, I'm, I am in the Brett. I am in the pocket of Big Dictionary. Everybody knows. Yeah, that. it honestly sounds like it. I don't like this at all. I, I think it's actually a poor word. Misinformation is a outdated concept. Misinformation was hot during Brexit and in the 2015-16 period. I think misinformation is less relevant today, and I wouldn't have picked this word. I think authenticity or authentic or whatever word they picked is bad, and I would have picked a better one. I don't know what it is. I'm not. That's not my job. I just think this one's bad. It sounds like you're a thesaurus, man. Yeah, well, that's the one I use on a daily basis because my vocabulary is limited. Well, limited would be a good word for the for the year as well, maybe. Limited uh, is a good word to describe lots of things, both in the world and my life. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, Brett. Aside from what Merriam-Webster is up to and what you're up to, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, Panama's mining crisis explained. For our second story, consumers go big on Black Friday. And for our third story, Alberta flexes its sovereignty. For our first story, Panama's top court is currently weighing whether or not to block a Canadian mining giant from tapping into the region's copper. That sounds like a big decision, Brett. What is behind it? So a ruling by the country's Supreme Court this week could squash First Quantum's plan to mine copper at the Cobra Panama mine which accounts for about 1% of global copper supply. And they're going to do this by blocking a 20-year government deal worth $375 million a year. Now, to catch you up, commercial operations at the mine have stalled for over a month due to blockades from protesters. Their concerns are largely over environmental issues, but also that mineral wealth is being exploited by a foreign entity through unfavorable deal terms. Environmentalists warn the mine, which is located in Panama's rainforest, will harm biodiversity and threaten water sources. Other protesters have alleged corruption. And it matters because copper, a mineral that's used in pretty much all electrical wiring and is also crucial for the green energy transition, could soon be in short supply. If Panama ends First Quantum's contract, mining operations would be in jeopardy as a recent bill banning new mining licenses and extensions, meaning the company, and any other company for that matter, might not be able to secure a new deal. Now here's the big picture. Copper was a top priority for many Canadian miners prior priority this year. Barrick, the second largest gold miner, wanted to acquire First Quantum for its copper interest. Tech sold its coal unit to focus on copper, and Ivanhoe just began copper exploration in Angola. But as Panama's ongoing protests and protests last year at Peru's major Las Bombas copper mine show increased copper excavations won't come without backlash. For our second story, shoppers don't need to wait for their credit card statements to know how much they splurged this year. 
with Shopify's new data spilling all of the deets. How are the numbers looking, Jay? Well, Shopify merchants processed $4.1 billion in sales over Black Friday weekend this year, a 22% jump from last year, a spending surge that surprised analysts and delighted retailers who had low expectations for the holiday shopping season. According to Shopify, Canadians spent an average of $171.60 buying mostly cosmetics, jewelry, shirts, and everyone's favorite stocking stuffer, underwear. <laughs> and it matters because buying power is continuing to defy the odds as the economy slows and inflation remains above the 2% target. But specifically on Black Friday, it means that Canadians have just been waiting for the right deals to make discretionary purposes. Per- not purchases, purchases. Black Friday has always been a bellwether for the rest of the holiday shopping season, but in this economy, Consumers might pull back for the rest of the year. Now, here's what's next. In other areas of the economy, signs of slowing growth are still likely to keep interest rates at 5% at the Bank of Canada's upcoming decision, according to analysts. For our third story today, in this week's episode of Alberta versus the Feds, Danielle Smith makes what could be her most controversial announcement yet. Yeah, here's what's happening, Jay. So Smith is invoking the Alberta Sovereignty Act to push back against federal clean electricity rules. The act is not yet final, but the idea is that it allows the province to refuse to follow federal laws that are deemed as a violation of Alberta's jurisdictional rights. Smith disagrees with the federal government over several issues and has long had a bone to pick with a mandate that Canada must have a net zero power grid by 2035. Since most of Alberta's power comes from natural gas, Smith has said that this target is fancy thinking and the province will need until 2050 to greenify its grid. And it matters because this is the first time the Sovereignty Act has actually been put to use, meaning we'll soon get to find out if it can actually do what it's supposed to do. Some legal experts have warned that any action stemming from invoking the act would be ruled unconstitutional under Canada's laws and would likely be struck down in a federal court. However, others believe the gambit could work in this instance as electricity explicitly falls under provincial jurisdiction in Canada, putting Alberta on solid legal ground. Now, here's the bottom line. Be it flirting with ditching the CPP, eternally fighting against the carbon tax, and now net zero pushback, Alberta continues to zig when the feds would prefer it zags. Hey, pal, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great day, Peak Pals. <laughs>